Chapter 5. Sometime during the night, I tried to roll over in my, in my blanket. A tug on my ankle awoke me, and I sat up to find myself chained to Mott, who was sleeping beside me. I grabbed a pebble and flung it at Mott's face. His eyes flew open, and he sat up, glaring at me. What? he snarled. You chained me up, I said. Not the others? Only me? The others won't run. You might. Mott laid back down. Go to sleep or I'll knock you out cold. I've got to go. Go where? To go. I have just taken care. I would. I'd have just taken care of it myself, but it looks like you want to come along. Mott cursed. Wait for morning. Wish I could. I've been cursed with my mother's pea-sized bladder. Mott sat up again fumbled on the ground for the keys to the chain, then unlocked himself. He grabbed his sword and directed me to stand, then escorted me over to the cold over the cold ground to some bushes a little ways from the camp. Go here. I did my business, then we walked back to the camp to camp. Mott grabbed the collar of my shirt and shoved me onto my blanket. You ever wake me again in the night again and I'll hurt you. As long as you have me chained, prepare for waking up a lot in the night, I said. I'm not a quiet sleeper. He replaced the chain, tightening it, I noticed, from what it had been before. I stretched and yawned and rolled over, pulling my chain leg as far as I could. Mott yanked it back. Even though I knew I'd pay for it the next day, I couldn't help but grin as I pulled my leg forward again. Surprisingly, surprisingly, that morning, Mott made no mention of the previous night. I got a kick awake, but so did Rodden. Tobias was up walking around, so he must have been awake already, and smirked a little to see Rodden and me groan in our blankets. Rodden seemed to have recovered from the shock of Latimer's murder last night, or at least he was back to his old self, assuring Tobias and me as we cleaned up that he intended to be the boy Connor chose. Tobias and I glanced at each other. Tobias's expression was clear. He intended to win, too, only to cle- clearly only he clearly planned on pursuing what goal more quiet that goal more quietly than Rodden. I have bread for breakfast, Connor announced. A mouthful for any boy who correctly answers my questions. He broke off a piece of bread and asked, Who are the current king and queen of Carthia? Eckbert and Corinne, I said quickly. Tobias laughed. King Eckbert is correct, but the queen is Aaron. Connor tossed the bread to Tobias, which I thought was unfair. I'd already given him half the answer, yet he got the entire bite. Connor broke off another piece, then asked, How many regents sit in King Eckbert's court? Tobias guessed ten, but Connor said that was incorrect. Neither Rodden nor I answered. The correct answer is twenty, Connor said. No matter how many nobles of wealth or stature exist in the land, there are always twenty regents given a seat in the court. They advise the king although Eckbert too often ignores his regents. He popped the bread in his mouth, then took another piece while he chewed. After swallowing, he asked, How many sons does King Eckbert?
Bert have? Two, I answered. Wrong again, Tobias said. There is one, the crown prince, Darius. There were two until four years ago, when the younger son, Prince Jaron, was lost during a sea voyage. Connor tossed the bread to Tobias and then said to me, Your accent is Avinian, so you're not originally from Carthia. What brought you from Avinia to Carthia? That orphanage was the farthest way I farthest away I could get from my family, I said. Are your parents still alive? he asked. I have not sought out my any information on them for some time, I said. As far as I know, I'm completely alone in this world. Avinia is a violent country, Connor said. If disease doesn't strike, bandits will. Few live to old age in Avinia. Consider me an orphan, I said. An orphan of a family and of a country. Of family and country. Is loyalty to Carthia a requirement for you? Connor nodded. It's a must. It will take you more effort to learn facts about this country, which Rodden and Tobias have grown up knowing. Are you up to learning? I shrugged. Tell me about the regions. Connor rewarded my question with a chunk of bread and then said, I am one of the 20 regents, albeit a minor one. My father was a man of great influence in the court, so upon his recent death, I inherited my, my position in the court. Thirteen of the regents inherited their positions. The other seven earned them through great acts of service to the king. Three of the regents are women. Two are old men whose sons can't wait for them to die to take their places. For every regent in the court, there are five nobles in Carthia who would love to see them fall from grace so that another Carthian can be brought into council with the king. All of the regents claim loyalty to the king, but few actually practice it. The secret none of them keep very well is that they wish to have the throne for themselves. Does that include you? Rodden's question was not rewarded with bread. Connor pressed his lips together and then said, As I told you, my status in the court is minor. It's useless for me to aspire to the throne. It would be taken over a hundred times before I attained enough power to acquire it. He didn't ask whether you'd get the throne, I said. He asked whether you wanted it. Connor smiled. Is there anyone who bows to the throne and does not wish that he was the one who sat on it? Tell me, Sage, have you ever lain on the hard floor of the orphanage, staring at the stars through cracks in the ceiling, and wondered what it would be like to be king? I couldn't deny that. Beside me, Rodden and Tobias were nodding their heads. In the few moments that night before sleep came upon us, when all orphans do their best dreaming, we'd all thought about it. Connor continued his lesson. Second in power to the king is the high chamberlain, Lord Kerwin. But Kerwin is a servant to the king and could not become king himself. The most powerful of the regents is the prime regent, a man named Santhius Veldergrath. His, he's ruthless, ruthless in his ambitions. He's climbed the ladder of power by destroying those with influence greater than his. 
I suspect there are more than a dozen nobles either dead or in the king's prison because of Veldergraf. He wants the crown and works the king's armies to his favor. If anything were ever to happen to the royal family, Veldergraf would be the first to reach for the throne. The other regents would either bow to his will or send Carthia into civil war in pursuit of their own ambitions. I know of Gard Veldergarth. Sorry, Veldergrath, Tobias said. He owned the land my grandfather lived on. One day, a messenger came round and told her the rent would be doubled. She hated him to the end of her life. He has his enemies, yes, but he also has powerful friends. Veldergrath has no compassion for the people and will suck every good thing from Carthia to himself until it's swallowed up. So which do you prefer, Tobias asked, a reign of Veldergrath or civil war? Neither. That is why you are here. Connor tossed the remaining bread to the ground for us to divide amongst ourselves, then brushed his hands together and said to Mott and Cregan, Wipe away any trace of our being here as best you can. I wish to leave within the hour. Rodden and Tobias dove for the bread, but I stayed where I was, watching Connor walk back to the cart. The hints he left for us about his plan were not subtle. It was clear what he wanted, but there was obviously some crucial information he was still leaving out. I didn't dare wonder what that might be. Connor met my gaze as he passed by and stopped walking. He gave me an appraising look as we stood there, then slowly nodded his head before walking on. I closed my eyes, horrified that my suspicions might be true. Connor was holding us on the brink of treason.